The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling Art with Chris Things. Do the hammerlock. I do the hammerlock. Do the hammerlock, you turkey necks. Yeah, do the hammerlock. I do the hammerlock. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of Wrestling Art with Chris Things. I am Chris Things Brian, your host this week and every week. And uh, this week, we've got another little old match of the week to talk about. Yeah, yeah, this one is a, a bloody big old favourite of mine, though I guess that's, that's kind of the thing for all of these, right? I mean, they are my match of the weeks. But uh, no, this one is, is quite a special one because we're returning to uh, another Lucha Libre match of the week. Arena Mexico, traveling back to 2008 uh, for a uh, uh, mask versus mask match that's very close to my heart because it is the mask match whereby my favorite luchador ever, Blue Panther, loses his mask forever to. Viano 5, uh, bloody amazing match. I uh, hope that you guys have already uh, had, a, had a little chance to check it out. Uh, have a chance to check out my, my art illustration of it that I dropped last week. Uh, but yeah, I can't wait to chop it up with the returning... Uh, what, are we, what, are we, what are we saying here? What's his, what's his gimmick name for the show? <laughs> Roving Mexican reporter that's not actually Mexican, John Craft is coming back to the show. Very excited about that. Uh, before that, we'll uh, jump into my, my little uh, what's been going on in the world of Chris Things intro monologue. Uh, so, um, as you've seen, continued on with our um, with our our way of the blade uh, look back, um, going through some of my favorite illustrations from the original way of the blade book on the way to the the big release of the the new way of the blade the AEW edition from the fine folks at Hybrid Shoot uh, this this past week. Um, I was I was wondering which one to, to you know use to to kind of um you know bring out. I was just flipping through the book. Um, and I was thinking, what well, will be good? What will be a good one here? And I got to a page of a match that I love so much. A uh, match between Yoshiaki Fujiwara and Ricky Choshu. Uh, a, a match from the tremendous uh, late 80s New Japan versus UWF feud. Uh, and, and just a amazing bloody brawl, but also a, an opportunity for me to rave about how much I bloody love Yoshiaki Fujiwara. Uh, he, to me, just represents everything about professional wrestling that I adore. 
currently. Um, another dude that I think I got onto uh, from the uh, you know fine folks uh, at uh, Death Valley Driver Review back in the day. Uh, you know, a lot of those dudes at uh, Segunda Caída now. Um, and of course, uh, Phil Schneider, the, the author of this book. Uh, so thank you to everyone who, uh, you know, hyped up Fujiwara over the years. But man, he's, he's just amazing. You know, the, uh, the favorite student of uh, the god of pro wrestling, Carl Gotch, uh, the inventor of the Fujiwara armbar, um, and uh, just, just, such an amazing dude i was actually lucky enough on one of my trips to japan i believe of all things it was a dragon gate show <laughs> that i was at uh they're the big annual one that they do at kobe um and fujiwara was on this show uh you know i, I don't know how old he was maybe 75 uh, maybe a bit over a bit under that something along those lines but he was signing autographs and you know i'm not normally a guy to to fawn over wrestlers you know the whole autograph kind of thing it's it's a little passe for me but i mean there's certain guys where you're just kind of like oh my gosh i can't not do that uh so i did and um he was such a rad dude spoke great english uh as, as you might have uh, guessed um and just just a bloody delight um and he had a great shirt and it was had the the fujiwara uh armbar but he had like a play and words motif of it being like a like a an actual bar like it was sort of like fujiwara arm bar that you could kind of drink at <laughs> these things sometimes don't uh, translate in the world of audio uh, but he was very proud of this word wordplay, um, and he was proud enough to where he told me that he came up with that and that was his own idea, uh, and uh, so it was just so tickled at that moment. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so check out that uh, that match of the week. I did a little little bit of a, a write up for it, and uh, yeah, I highly recommend you checking out that amazing match between um, Ricky Choshu and Yoshiaki Fujiwara, and then like the entire UWF versus New Japan feud if you have a chance. Um, so other than that, you know, in my um, my art uh, journey for the week, I, I did a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, I got I got bloody COVID again. That wasn't fun. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I've been been dealing with that, and again, sort of not giving myself the excuse of like, oh, you know, you got COVID, so go have a rest kind of thing. I'm like, I'm doing this hard thing. I need to do this all the time. So you know, I'm just working through it at the moment. I'm not dead, so it's a good thing. Um, so we're we're keeping on, keeping on. Uh, I, I spoke last week about a, a cool t-shirt kind of idea that I had, so I got to the pointy end of that, just about finished that up, and then I had the idea of, like, I think maybe inspired a little bit from um, IQ Wrestler, who I had on the other week and his amazing videos. I was like, this idea is very sort of video-driven. I mean, that's just at least how I sort of came up with it, so I'm like, why don't I do a little little hype up video for the release so that's what it is i can't wait to share that with y'all um so you have that to look forward to but uh, uh I, I think that's about it let's wrap all this uh this intro monologue up uh i, I hope uh, each and every one of you are continuing along with with your own um creative pursuits as well you know if, if it's 
just wakes up a little bit or something and you just draw some some wrestlers bloody please please do it please send them to me i would love to see all of these all these things that's all what this podcast is really about um and uh speaking of that big thank you to the great team at social suplex uh for allowing me to do this this uh, little old thing uh socialsuplex.com bunch of other rad wrestling podcasts on there but i'm proud to say this is the only one that is focused on wrestling art uh so <laughs> i don't know i still don't really know whether that's a actual uh viable niche uh, of uh of the world that people would want to listen to a podcast about but i don't know i just like drawing wrestlers painting wrestlers talking about the the things that inspire me i guess and yeah I don't know, it's a thing. Oh, that's the other thing. I've got a uh, Nethermania, a Netherworld uh, great bar in the valley is doing an entire ass wrestling art show that I'm so tickled to be a part of. Uh, so this is really, it's kind of special and I think it's quite important to this show. You know, I'm, I'm trying to cultivate a bit of this wrestling art community and we're doing it. It's at an actual place. There's going to be a night of celebrations of weird wrestling activities and a bunch of rad wrestling art. So check my page. You'll be able to find out the deets. And I hope for all my Brisbane pals, we'll see you there. But all right, that's about enough of that. Let's throw over to our match of the week. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our latest uh, match of the week, this time venturing back to Mexico for, I would say, one of the more authentic uh, Lucha Libre uh, Apuestas mask versus mask matches that you will ever see. Uh, This one took place in uh, 2008 uh, between my... Absolute favourite luchador, Blue Panther and Viano 5 uh, on uh, CMLL's 75th anniversary show in Arena, Mexico. And I have a gentleman on the line to talk about it that I'm very excited about. A gentleman who has a bit of experience doing some announcing for the Lucha Libre. Welcome back to the show, my friend, John Craft. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Dude, always, always. It's been too long. Yeah, I can't wait till, uh, what, June when you come to Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah, dude, that's the plan. So uh, we'll, uh, yeah, get the the deets of that that sorted out. But I am so looking forward to to that, my dude. How is uh, general life treating you these days, dude? Life's good. You know, we're not on a wrestling and art podcast to talk about work, but work's been going well. Nice. Um, My personal relationship that I referenced last time I was on the podcast is going excellent. Amazing. Maricela, as everybody knows, I'm the... Roving Mexican reporter that's not actually Mexican, <laughs> but is coincidentally dating a Mexican. Uh, we just celebrated our, our year last week and uh, looking to get a little place here in a, in a couple months here. Save, save some money and spend more time together. Dude, that is absolutely lovely. Yeah, she, she, you know, she loves Lucha every bit as much as I do. So does her entire family. 
I actually sent her this match as well and was like, can you tell me what the crowd's chanting here? <laughs> you know, and so she gave me she gave me a couple notes that I'll chime in with as well. Dude, I'm so excited about this. Oh yeah, I can't wait for you to meet her, man. Like she is she is right up our alley. Or excuse me, our 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 Kayahon, our Kayahon. <laughs> I am uh, I'm mostly I think just uh, happy that that you're happy and, and things are going well, man. But yeah, I would absolutely be uh, delighted to to get to to meet her and um get all all caught up. It's uh, been how how long now? Uh, going on two years since we've seen one another in person. WrestleMania Dallas in the in the before times. Yeah, 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 man. Things things are going great. I um spent the last year at my company here. I'm expecting to hear tomorrow if I get an internal promotion or if I'm going to take an external role. Uh, either way, should be making a hefty bit more in the next two three months. Excellent. So that that's always good, man. Um, Chicago Chicago's fantastic. There's there's so much wrestling here. Like you want to support the locals, you want to support the indies, and of course you want to actually spend the money to go to the shows you want to go to. Mm-hmm. And there's so many shows here that I mean I I can't even afford them all. Not even if I could afford them, I don't even have time. <laughs> like I think so. This Saturday I'm going to go to Ruthless Pro Wrestling, which is kind of like a, a deathmatch startup out in the Midwest. Right. They've been running out of Chicago lately. Um, ICW is coming back in May. New Japan is coming with uh, Windy Cindy, the Windy City uh, Rumble. Let's just call it the Rumble. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like a New Japan show here. Dude, in that show in particular that looks pretty crazy loaded. Um, and yeah. I think the thing with New Japan for a while was like they do these shows stateside like a lot more frequently than they had in the past. The, the cards wouldn't really be that stellar. There wouldn't be really anything to go out of your way to see. Um, and their their crowds were kind of waning on them, you know. And then now I think they've gotten the message: okay, people want less frequent shows, but load these fuckers up. Um, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, I think it's got a lot to do with the working relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I think New Japan wanted to be good with their working relationships in the states that uh, led to this expansion. But at the same point, it, I'm I'm Chicago, so if you live in Iowa or Montana or whatever, I'm sorry, but I'm speaking as a Chicagoan now. <laughs> like I have a chance to see Eddie Kingston three, four times a year already. And as much as I would love to see a great matchup, like if I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna go see a New Japan show, like give me New Japan. Right. You know, I don't I don't want to see a half AEW show. Forbidden Door, hell yeah, give it to me. <laughs> but like you know, some non televised or non you know, uh, for lack of a better word, premium event. Uh, you know, if they're coming stateside for a little quick tour, like I want that time filled with New Japan wrestlers. Yeah. Um, also, um, MLW is going to do, you know, they brought that Aztec Underground, like Lucha Underground Reborn. Yeah. They're coming to Chicago as well. Tickets are $10. They're back at uh, Cicero Stadium. Back at Cicero Stadium where I saw Speedball and Will Ospreay. Right. Yeah. So there's so much good wrestling here. That always looks like such a cool venue, man. Yeah, I mean. Um, I think those kind of more intimate ones are really uh, always better to me than your big, uh, you know, cavernous arena kind of situations yeah you know it, it gets a, a a bad rap i think maybe because of the the part of town or more importantly how far it is to commute to that for a lot of people that you know a lot of, a lot of wrestling fans live on the north side of chicago and uh you know south side 
fuck the reputation of Chicago. It doesn't matter. But like, <laughs> so you, should, Southside you're telling me that you but... go to the show at Cicero, you're not actually going to get get uh, shot to death? Is that what you're telling me? Well, well, you're talking to a guy that was born in Memphis, lived amongst the street people in Denver, and goes to Tijuana. So no, <laughs> I, I really don't care. Uh, having said that, it is... It is a fantastic venue. I mean, if you want the $10 seats, like every seat's a riser stadium style. That's my preference anyway. Yeah, yeah. Why would you want to be anything further than 10 rows back on the floor? You might as well be on the risers, right? Yeah. Oh, dude, take it. Take it back to like anything worse than like third row for me. If you're on the floor, put me put me straight in those risers or balcony or whatever. And if if you're third row in the risers, if you're a skilled enthusiast, you could hawk a loogie (laughs) into the ring. Like you're not far away. You could you could put a dip a dollar note in uh, in some beer and and hock that in the ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is America. We have folding paper money and not that plasticky euro shit. <laughs> Absolutely. We still have that bullshit here in Australia, man. The the plastic stuff. It ain't no no uh, tips going to be thrown at a wrestling ring unless you're pelting a motherfucker with some gold coins. You almost have to tape it to a paper airplane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but Chicago's been great. Like. um just I'm I'm constantly floated with shows coming up in in two months that I'm, I'm spending money on. I will tell you, excuse me, I'm getting over a little cough here. Um, I will tell you that ruthless pro wrestling. Mm. Look them up. Uh, I'm not here to you know talk drama or anything like that, but ICW has kind of burned some bridges over the last couple of years in general, right? Including at Berwyn Eagles. Oh shit. Which is the old the old wrestling hall out here before everybody went to Logan Square. Mm-hmm. And um they are invited back. I won't I won't say the stipulations, it doesn't matter. That's just not what we're here to talk about. But in the absence where the owner of the of the venue is really mad at Danny from ICW. Danny DeMonte, right? Started Yeah, that's correct. Um Ruthless Pro Wrestling has really stepped in. And uh, look up the animosity card. I'll uh, let me see if I can I can pull it up right now. But basically, the the headliner is Hoodfoot versus Atticus Kogar. Uh, Otis will be there as well. Doctor Redacted, like they are taking on a deathmatch super card. It might be the best card of a deathmatch I've ever seen. Wow! There are three there are three matches I can't pick between about which I'm most excited about. Mm-hmm. And Cruel will be there. Who doesn't like Cruel? Yeah, yeah, it should be a really, really good time. Mike, Mike Cruel. What's that? The the early two thousands indie wrestler Mike Cruel. Is that who you're talking oh, about? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Cruel the monstrosity. Oh, okay. The, the the big white man with the skeleton mask. Okay, I need to. I clearly am not up on my contemporary deathmatch stuff. Yeah, he wrestles in MLW a lot. I think under a slightly different name. Right. But Cruel is uh K R U L E. Definitely check him out. A fantastic guy when he's not trying to murder you. <laughs> like you could say about a lot of deathmatch wrestlers, really. Yeah, uh, dude, honestly, like, Hoodfoot and I have, have become some uh, solid acquaintances. Like, when he comes to Chicago, he hits me up on Instagram, like, where are we going after the show, man? Mm. And, uh, you know, these guys, it's just like what we've always said about wrestling, like, the one, the tougher they look, the nicer they are, right? Oh, for sure. One of, uh, one of my... Um... Great uh, friends, uh, whenever um, Necro Butcher comes to Japan, they always hang out, and he uh, has nothing but the best things to say about Necro. You know, Necro is an older guy that speaks his mind, but I've heard that 
uh, while he is vocal, he's not trying to talk about it at dinner. You know what I mean? Like he, I, I have heard great things about Necro that despite what's getting said by the younger folks on the internet and cancel culture and whatever. And, uh, Hey, call it what you want. I, I fucking hate Trump, mm-hmm. but Second he doesn't want to talk about it at dinner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's, he's just like, I live my life. You live yours, brother. Yeah. I think everything that I've known of him, he's generally speaking a down to earth, chill motherfucker at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, um, I, I've really enjoyed my time in Chicago getting to know, so many of these people are coming in regularly. Dr. Redacted just moved here full-time. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And although he's out in Juliet about an hour away. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really nice guys that... Um, I don't know, man. The other day, I was at a no-ring death match for Circle Six with some hardcore music mixed in. Oh, sick. That sounds lovely. And uh, Casanova, Valentine, and I, we, we'd met. You know, we, we'd met. I would wear a Marcus Crane shirt. He loved Marcus. We had chatted a couple times. And uh, I don't really know Otis or anything. Uh, at this show, you know, I was I was basically, it was three-fourths hardcore kids that had never been to a wrestling show. And one-fourth deathmatch people trying to make sure these hardcore kids got the fuck out of the way. <laughs> and so I was one of the guys kind of in the front, like, just bridging, giving them a, a little room to work, you know, but, like, kind of pushing backward a little bit. And Casanova looks up at me and he goes, oh, hey. You want to staple Otis for me? <laughs> I was like, yeah. So I reached in my pocket and just grab a one, hoping to start something, you know. I grabbed a bill out of my pocket, and Otis is like, oh, perfect. Yeah, staple that right on my arm, man. <laughs> and we were all covering our mouths while we talked, you know. And But, but I stapled the shit out of him right in his, right in his bicep. Whoa. And uh, these hardcore kids, the they were bicep. like 19. What? Did you, did you make the choice well, where it was going to go? Or did he gesture he wanted well, in the bicep? Yeah, on, on, the, on the outside of the arm. On the outside of the arm, yeah. Uh, his face was already covered. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But these hardcore kids are like, whoa, bro. That's hardcore. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's why I'm in front of you. Like, so, yeah, man, Chicago's been great. Um, sick. I'll try to look up some shows where you're here. Would you say that um, Chicago is sort of becoming the new Philly? Like, I know back in the day, if you were an indie dude, you wanted to be able to fill out that schedule, uh, you had to move to Philly, and that was where most of the shit was, was happening, Philly and, you know, surrounding tri-state area. Is that sort of becoming like, like Chicago these days in terms of you've got so much stuff going on? Well, I feel like Chicago in my limited exposure has always been pretty hot for the Indies Philly and a lot of those States in, in the new England area, Chris are all separated by like 30 minute drives, hour drives, right? Chicago's still in the middle of, of nowhere else big. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, like we've got two airports, uh, but we're still like six hour drive from Detroit. Um, five and a half, six hour drive from St. Louis. We got Indianapolis three hours away, but, like, that's it, bro. I mean, I guess for a lot of indie dudes from back in the day, that's, that's like, a pretty standard indie booking drive, right? Like, you talk about... The- yeah, but, like, if you're getting booked heavily in New Jersey, uh, I, don't, I don't know the state tax rates, but remember here, we've got 50 states that all, they might have income tax or sales tax or whatever, right? They also might have their own res- wrestling athletic commission regulations. So, for example, if somebody wants to live in Philly, I don't know this, but let's say Philadelphia has no state income tax, but they work heavily in Jersey, 
and they can get there in, I'm throwing out numbers, but an hour and a half, right? That's going to be a different market and a different scene than living in Chicago where we've got plenty of Indies, but also two great airports where you're flying out a lot. So I think if you're on the car circuit still, like a lot of people that live in the Northeast, Philly, Jersey, New York City, you know, they're all, they can hop in a car and be anywhere in in two hours. And I don't think Chicago offers that. Mm, True. But I do think Chicago has been hot for a while. Yeah, nice man. I um yeah, definitely be be stoked to to get to see a bit more of it, especially the indie side of it, uh, in person when I'm um next over. I mean, you know, you know how much I fucking love Chicago. I'm really becoming a fan, and you'll be here in the summer. Oh man. Yeah. Oh man, I'm very stoked. I I cannot uh contain my excitement for getting a get like a proper like um. Uh, one of those motherfuckers is like a, a Chicago Italian sub kind of kind of goodness with the um the Ita- Italian beef sandwich. Yeah, Italian beef. That's it. The portillos. Yeah. Oh, all about it. And I I do love me some some deep dish pizza. Oh, that's where you fucked up. <laughs> Chicago is lesser known for a more superior pizza style called tavern style. I am. And tavern style with this. is like thin crust, but it's cracker thin, and it gives a nice crunch. And it allows you to taste more of the toppings. And I think a deep dish, honestly, in my eyes and a lot of people's eyes, and this is before I lived in Chicago, like, it's not even fucking pizza, bro. It's lasagna. It's lasagna. <laughs> you, are talking, you're like, you're sounding like a New Yorker, dude. Uh, I'm passionate about my pizza and all foods. <laughs> you like your coffee? I like my food. I like my calories. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to be, man. I, I love uh, some good food as well. Life's too short to, to be worrying about carbs and shit, you know? Yeah, and, and by the way, for all of our listeners talking about, you know, our love for coffee and food, uh, Chris was supposed to call me about 45 minutes ago, but on the way to getting his podcast microphone and everything set up, he stopped by three coffee shops <laughs> on the way. Hey, I, I actually have a, a filter coffee situation at home here. I, I did go and get some fresh beans this morning. But uh, I'm uh, I'm enjoying a, a nice dripper at home. But I I get where you're going there. Wouldn't yeah, it be oh, that yeah. out of the ordinary? <laughs> oh yeah, if it takes two hours to get from Los Angeles to Reseda, California, it'll take three and a half hours as we stop the Uber at three coffee. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean anyone that knows if they've traveled with me, part of the experience is going forty. I did have to learn to accept that. Forty-five yeah. minutes out of your way to to go to like a you know hipster or seven dollar coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I did have to learn to really appreciate that about you. I appreciate. So I say I love that. I appreciate the patience uh, that you have for it, man. <laughs> Bro, you've been patient with me, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh let's talk some lucha yeah, libre. Yeah, dude. Let's jump into it. So back to it. Um, again, this is a match. Like, it's a little bit of setting it up kind of thing. So. I've been watching CMLL for a bit of a while. Um, you know, big shout out to uh, Cubs fan, uh, Lucha Blog, uh, a, an amazing resource that, um, you know, I think really escalated my sort of knowledge of Lucha Libre while also sort of like being like, hey, you know, welcome into this weird kind of club, you know, especially for all non, non-Spanish speaking people. Um, you know, this is coverage, this is insight, this is giving you a bit of backstory, that kind of stuff. So that was a big part of my kind of uh, getting into it and keeping up with it. Um, and I remember back in the day uh, watching this match at the time um, and going into it, 
everyone was looking at it. So again, this match, Blue Panther versus Viano 5, was at the big CMLL anniversary show. Going into it, um, you know, Panther was just at that stage of having almost like, you know, like an Atlantis-level kind of mask. Uh, like one of those iconic masks that you're just like, this dude is never going to lose his mask. It's going to be one of those like most valuable masks in Lucha Libre that are just never going to be dropped. And Viano 5, you know, one of the, the famous um, Viano family, was uh, coming into uh, CMLL for this match. Everyone's like, all right, he's, uh, you know, kind of getting a bit older. He's, he's quite beaten up. He's, uh, you know, been working. Uh, I mean, tell he's hurting, you know. Um, so he's clearly here to, to cash out, you know, drop that mask, get a big payday, uh, and then, you know, we move on to the next thing. Uh, but... I think this may have been one of the biggest upset mask matches that I have ever seen. So a lot of the talk back then when this match happened, more so than the actual quality of the match, everyone was just talking about the what the fuck element of it. Um, so I was so pleasantly surprised when I rewatched this last week and just realized, hey, after you get past that obvious shock, this is just such a fucking sick match. I mean, what what did you think? Tell tell me your uh, your initial perceptions. Well, I think the the bravado and the presentation that we all love about pro wrestling as a whole, but also uh, big lucha matches. Mm-hmm. I think that was very there from the get go. Like I, I'm not gonna lie, I, I jumped in uh, on this match and you know kind of read up on a little bit about the significance and and watched it. Uh, but I'm not gonna act like I'd. You know, I'm an expert in Blue Panther, like you might be. I wouldn't say I'm an expert either, but you know, we're just we're just some white well, dudes Australian, watching some Mexican wrestling. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're probably the leading Australian on Blue Panther. How about that? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. No. Like I, I thought it was great. It, it felt like a big fight. It felt like a mask versus mask. And what I really liked about it is, um, mask versus masks matches are not always the best. Right. Like it's more about the moment and less about uh, the activity. And when you're watching these, you know, sorry, sorry, loose doors, but um, fatter, older, heavier, uh, just, I mean, sinking like a like a like a ton of bricks when they when they dive out of the ring and they just drop to the ground. Right. Like, how do you turn this into the match that it that it could be? And that's what I was really impressed by. You know, obviously there is the, you know, there's the the double disqualification for, well, one disqualification for each of the first two falls. You know, that's the first time I've ever seen that in all of the big Apuestas matches yeah. I've seen over the years, in CMLL at least. I've never seen dudes just throwing the first two falls like that, which, mind-blowing. I, th- I thought it was great yeah. because it just showed that uh, you get caught up in the frenzy. Right. Like one of the things that I I love about wrestling is the same thing that uh, naysayers and the untrained eye says about it, too. Like, well, that it didn't look like it really hit him. Right. You ever heard somebody say that? Like, well, it just it just looked uh, like he didn't get all that. Well, you don't make every basketball shot. It's true. Like not LeBron James does not win every game when he gets every buzzer beater shot. And that is the beauty. You don't hit every ball in in baseball. Exactly, exactly. You are real people that not only are you governed by all the preparation that you took 
getting ready for the athleticism of the match in in a shoot sense. But um, also, we are affected by our emotions. And the pressure gets to you. And the emotions get to you. And this is things that happen in real competition, which wrestling is. Um, but so are all the other sports in their own way as well. Just like before a big job interview that I have tomorrow, like, you know, you get a little nervous in it. Like, you should be nervous for big moments. And I, I really feel like the the two falls of the, you know, trading disqualifications really showed that um, that they were trying to deliver a match that mm. said, yo, we're, we're here to fight. You know, like, like, obviously we respect each other. Any older wrestlers, especially in a mask versus mask, mask match, like in kayfabe, you know that even they're still going to play it out like they're going to respect it. Like the Rudo is going to be a Rudo, the Tadiko is going to be a Tadiko. But like, there's still some respect there because that person chose me or I've ended up being in this mask versus mask match with this person. And even even your worst Rudo has a, a degree of respect. Um, in those matches, and so I think that that really turned it on its head right away. Yeah, and I mean, especially to like you know massive tippy top level legends like Viano Five and and Blue Panther, you know these these aren't just like two dudes. Yeah. Like, they, and you could you tell it. That was one of the things I really noticed from the start. Like, you know, I, I'm a you know big fan of uh, of Blue Panther, but you could tell how into every bit of this this crowd was like molten oh it's so loud so good i think arena mexico is about sixteen thousand five hundred for wrestling mm-hmm. i've never heard arena mexico louder oh, man and i thought they captured it so well i mean we were watching this on a on a uh pixelated yeah. shitty 360p <laughs> version of this which was the best i could find for this match but it all it all still came across do you remember that lady in the front oh, row man. that was a Blue Panther fan that maybe Magical. she was a family member or maybe not, but she would just get so mad throughout it and they would pan to her, which makes me think maybe that was his wife or, yeah. you know, something like that, right? But, like, just panning to her and letting her show her fury. That's always one of my, one of my favorite bits of these bigger Puestas matches when the, the family's there or even just, you know, lifelong fan kind of thing and you see that, that full-on emotion, you know, the, yeah. the anger or, or the, you know, the, the, the sorrow if their favorite loses to the degree, degree. Like, I think it's one of the few times in current wrestling you actually see fans, like, openly weeping because of the degree of emotion. And that's what I think just makes this so magical, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mask versus mask matches are just so mm. revered. You know, like, even though they were both ripping each other's masks off, right? When it was all said and done, they both had incredibly kind words to say about each other. Yeah. So much respect Beautiful. for each other. Uh, because it is it is a competitive uh, sport or sport-like atmosphere, right? And um call it what you want about if you want to define a sport entertainment there there's no doubt there's a degree of competitiveness where you want to be the best and your 30-year rivals are indeed rivals Mm. for your money and your showtime and everything like that and um you know they really did a good job of framing that uh before the match during the match and when it was over giving them their their moment to express their own adoration for each other. Yeah, and I think a big part of it too is like, if you are the opponent for, you know, you know the dude you're working is is losing his mask, 
um, you know that you are a huge part of his career. You know, like you can only lose your mask once yeah. in in you know Mexican wrestling, or you're only supposed to. <laughs> you know, athletic commissions and everything, or the lucha commission. Yeah. Unless Vince, unless Vince touches it, yeah. Oh man, I'm still dirty on the Ray thing, but that's a whole separate oh, point. Oh god. Um, but like properly, you only lose your mask once, and so that's a, a huge part of your career. So you look back on someone's career, they're going to be synonymous. Like the opponent who won the mask, they're going to be synonymous with other other dudes' career, like till his dying day. Whenever people talk to him, you know about wrestling once he's retired and everything. So there's a huge part where you want to give the you know the best match you possibly can you know it's almost like you're saying that respect kind of thing goes tenfold because you know that you're you're going to be such a huge part of this guy's career and he can only lose his mask once should i um should i take this opportunity to read the translations that i made for the the post match oh. mask exchange between blue panther and viana Police. So yeah, we we get to to the end of the match. Uh, an amazing um match. Uh, again, escalating to like just such a fucking fight. Um, and then the amazing um uh, blue demon had like the uh the Fujiwara on. And this is again where that crowd when we got in that third fall, just that emotion is is just crazy next level. And then. It's as simple as Viano catching him in his, like, signature pin. One, two, and then the crowd just is like, what the fuck? Viano has just beat Blue Panther. Quick roll-up. And it's as quick as that. And then, again, that whole unmasking ceremony that we're talking about, all that respect, everyone crying, uh, and then we, we get these wonderful speeches. So you, you got some uh, some translations here. Uh, what what do we got here, my friend? Yeah, so so work with me on this, right? Like, keep in mind, uh, Viano Cinco ended the match with his just signature quick roll up, um, where neither competitor bettered the two or bettered each other. You know, it was both disqualifications, and when it really came down to the third one, it was really just quick, right? And that's that's going to play in part with the rebuttal to this. But Blue Panther takes the mic first, and he said to Viano. You know, you take the most precious thing in my life for 30 years. But I know and I recognize that my mask is in very good hands with a kamikaze of a fighter like you. Someone who gives this sport everything. And I know it because I've seen it and I've I've like basically felt it. I've fought it. And um, it's a pleasure to give it to you. Oh, my gosh. And then he puts him on his shoulders. He puts Viano on his shoulders. Viano puts him on his shoulders. And then Viano grabs the mask. And says, and to any Spanish speakers in Australia or the other five people around the world that are listening, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But um, as far as I know, Viano said, I want to say it publicly because this audience, as much as you and I know it, um, like we owe this audience the same respect that we've showed each other all of our lives in this moment um, from all of our performances. Uh, You came to CMLL. You're an excellent, excellent, very great fighter in every sense of the word. And you could have defeated me because I know everything you do perfectly well. But the question is not who's the best wrestler ever between us. The fact is, is I'm not the best wrestler over you. Tonight I won, Hmm. right? And uh, the best 
for life or only for tonight, Panther. My respect and admiration to you and good luck to you. Oh, my gosh. So the really cool thing about that was like, hey, we could talk about who's better for life, but we didn't we didn't answer that question tonight. What we answered tonight is I got you tonight and I got your mask and, and I treat it with a lot of respect. But that is not say that I, I won the war, basically. I think that's the most humility I've ever heard in a post-match for a new Puestas match. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was really something. Um, it, took a, it took a few minutes to translate it. As I translated it, it was, it was really nice, like, putting it all together like a puzzle. Aww. Yeah, some of this was, like, loosely translated, but that, that seems to be what I got out of it. That sounds pretty legit to me, man. I, uh, I love that, because I, I watched it, um, and obviously didn't have any translation, so I, I will watch a lot of the post-match kind of, like, promos and stuff, because they are, you know, definitely a big part of, of Lucha as well, even though I, um, I, I don't speak Spanish or, or, you know, barely understand a tiny bit of it, um, <laughs> You still get a lot just out of the, you know, like the the physical emotion, the reverence, and the body language, yeah. yeah, and all that kind of stuff. So I always watch it, and I watched it here. Didn't really know what they were saying, but it's so cool to actually get a a little translation there. You know, and and I'm not gonna lie, like I wanted to do it out of like a passion project, but throughout it, there were a couple parts I really couldn't get. Maritella was already asleep. Mm. So I rewound it, and then I loaded up Google Translate and pressed the microphone button. Oh, cool. And pressed and held it right next to the TV, and I would recommend that you do that if you really need it for a certain segment. Um, and it, it really helps get some of the tougher words out or put sentences together. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, this, this episode is sponsored by Google. <laughs> yeah, good job, Google. <laughs> it's probably a bit better than uh, YouTube has, like, a auto-translate to text function oh, that yeah. is probably oh. i want to say maybe you'll get about 10 percent of accuracy of what it's translating not great <laughs> but um yeah man i i really love this match and, and especially the post match and that was a, a tricky part for me when i was going through watching this match again I, I normally talk a bit about sort of where i'm watching for the visual that i'm gonna do use for the illustration in question um, and this one, there were a few really great moments through the match, you know, those like incredible, um, just some of the greatest Tope suiciders I've ever seen in my life. Like the force, the fucking force that like Blue Panther hit those yeah. with, that was like up there was like fucking Austin Aries or like King Cuerno or, uh, you know, Eodel Fantasma um, for our, for our, um, Mexican CMLL fans of some of the best topes I've ever seen, but these were absolutely incredible. And then obviously the the big moment of the match being where one of them drove Viano so hard the back of his head into the those um, seats in the front row that it it opened up this massive gash in the back of his head where the whole back of his mask like pulled with blood, and then that became a big story for the the rest of the match too. Um, but yeah, so then there was the Fujiwara that I was talking about before. That was like, I took a bunch of reference pictures of, of that, thinking that was going to be the moment. And then I was watching this post-match and that, you can't top that, you know, that bit where he's actually handing him the mask while he's sitting on the, on the top rope. Uh, I just thought that yeah. was such a, a beautiful moment. And that works so well with this, uh, this translation you just gave us. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad it can help. You know, it's, 
I always think it's really interesting how mask versus mask or mask versus mask. The heels really healing it up. The face is obviously trying to do it. However, it turns out it's how it turns out. But um, once it's over, there's a lot of reverence, and so I just want to shed light on that. Yeah, so sick. I mean, at at the end of the day, it's um, that's the beauty of sports, right? Like you can have a long time rival. But at the end of the day, you would have their back before some outsider. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really like that. I, um, another a key part of the match that I wanted to get your thoughts on while I got you here. Did you, have you heard much of the um, the the uh, urban legend about this match? No the rumors. Are you talking about? Uh, Villana three, Viana three replacing. Yeah, so this was the scuttlebutt when this match took place. There was much rumors of when um he they sort of brawl and he he's you know he's bleeding a lot and the doctors like checking the back of his mask. So he briefly goes backstage. Yeah, that was a shoot, right? That that was all legit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not gonna like blade the back of your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so he goes backstage briefly between falls, comes back out, and then the rumor was that um, it was actually his brother who came out replacing him for that final fall where they, you know, really, really went ham. No, that would never work. And I... That would never work because then it's his brother revealing the mask that defeats the whole purpose. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a luchador would die in the ring before he let that happen. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree. And I think, you know, the reason why Plus he... Plus the, went... the additional blood. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could wear... The other guy puts on the same mask that's, you know, has the blood stain from earlier, but... I don't think that's the it case. It wasn't that way when he came out. No. When he came out, the extra mass was clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. So I think we yeah, can put that rumor to bed. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a mask versus mask match. You can't take off your mask and be like, I am Biano Cinco. <laughs> and it's like, Biano Quattro. Myth busted. Yeah, I just, I just don't see that. No. Having any merit. Dude, the other thing that I almost forgot about was how many fucking superplexes does he do one after another? I don't think I've ever seen that in a match before as to when they're in the, the third fall, isn't it? Where he, he just keeps repeatedly giving him superplexes, which is like a superplex. Oh, let's not break K-Fab. <laughs> what do you mean? When you get a certain point in life, you're a one-trick pony, man. <laughs> They're like, yeah, like there's certain muscles that went out on you. And there's certain muscles that didn't. And you just ride that horse all the way home. I just wanted to give respect to like, I know how much a superplex fucking hurts. I probably took one <laughs> superplex yeah. in my entire like wrestling career because I just didn't want to take a really big bump like that. That ring in Arena Mexico is a fucking concrete, dude. Like you look at that, yeah. that thing does not move. So taking like three or four fucking superplexes in a row on that ring, just what the fuck? Respect. I, I, okay, I see what you're saying now, yeah. I've seen it from a different perspective. It's like, well, there's only so many ways to put each other oh, out. Oh, right, right, right. No, no, I was just putting respect on the, the dumbness of taking that many superplexes in a row. Yeah, like, like he, he needed the super... He needs, like, the avalanche super just to get that extra leverage to throw him over him. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. No, yeah. I, I love the actual work in this, and I, and I love, like, your, your 
bigger, older, slightly more rotund luchadors, you know, like one of my favourites of all time is, uh, is L.A. Park, especially in this sort of golden years of his career. I just love seeing yeah. these dudes look like you think, like he's not going to really be able to do that much kind of thing, and then just and they can still do it. pulling it out of fucking somewhere. It's one of the best things ever. You know, I, I've worked with Eho Del Fishman a few times, and he... Uh, never mind the the back acne from the steroids, allegedly. <laughs> like he's got a flamita back. Um, but just like, yeah, you look at these guys, and I, I mean, you're you're a worker. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I like I'm friends with Matt Seidel, and he's like, bro, I can't even walk. Yeah. But as soon as you have twelve minutes to go, you go. Yep. It's your job. It's your job. You get the adrenaline. You get going. But like, yeah, I was gonna say the adrenaline, man. Yeah, the adrenaline. And and now look at like think of Saul Cassandra. Yeah, who is in the twilight of not only his career but respectfully his life. Mm. Uh, these movies have been made. I don't know if you know this, but like Saul's in a fucking wheelchair. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And and th- three years ago, I worked with him. I mean, he was a fucking crazy bump taker for a long time. Oh, absolutely, because he was trying to prove himself, right? Yeah. And I, I remember literally working with him four years ago. He didn't look like he had a problem with mobility. Yeah. And now, like, he is confined to a, a wheelchair, and he doesn't have the Scott Hall body to lose, and it's not the DDP yoga. He just took his bump card and ran out, you know? Yeah. And um, I have a lot of respect as we're entering this age where we are going to lose a lot of our heroes uh, over the next 10 years. And um, I'm, I'm so glad wrestling's cleaning up and, and leaving it better for the next generation. Oh, dude, I, I don't believe that. I reckon that's that's a urban legend, I reckon. It's a perpetual thing. I mean, it's probably slightly better, but... Is it better? objectively yes is it where it needs to be no but if we can keep the ball rolling down the right hill you know what i mean that's that's where i'm speaking yeah from. i mean it's not it's not in an ideal situation and i'd see it's nowhere near close to being like clean and oh boys just go back and play video games after the show kind of shtick but uh, it's probably yeah, better no, than no, i know that as well as anybody <laughs> but i mean i i think it gives all the more um reverence to the dudes that are you know getting older and can still pull it off like i'm still watching blue panther on you know current cmll shows you know how many years after after this in 2008 are we at now he's still killing it man and now he's like in current news because we're finally going to see him and uh, danielson tangle it up really? on the the big um dos leandis show that um CMLL has coming up that they've got like a I did not see that they've got like a multi-man with that feud that they're heating up between um uh BCC and the the CMLL guys and so I'm so I I am so happy that Danielson is getting like he was happy in WWE right like not everybody is he was and I respect that um but he left for greater challenges and greener pastures and I am so glad that the world is delivering upon Daniel, Brian, well, Brian, Daniels, and mm-hmm. um, what he was hoping for. Yeah, man. There's a lot of people that jumped AEW and didn't pan out quite like they want. Um, and I'm, I'm really, really happy to see the way Brian Danielson 
who genuinely just wants to wrestle these motherfuckers. Yeah. You know, like, like, like if we can all watch it, he's happy for us, but he just wants to wrestle these sons of bitches. It's just like an internal fulfillment kind of thing. I see more than like him trying to prove something yeah. to anyone. He's, oh, just, for him. he's just getting this joy and enjoying these moments. And oh yeah. That's what's so cool. Yeah. By the way, did you want to talk about the other guy before I go? <laughs> about, um, Cause I got I got I got six minutes for you, bro. Yeah, yeah, man. We we have we have a, a something to celebrate coming up that I Dude. never thought we'd see the day. And if I if I could just get on my soapbox for a second, Please. look, I, I I am a thirty six year old man. I grew up at WCW before my parents would allow me to watch WWF and before I'd watch it in secret, and. When everybody shat on wrestling, they didn't get it. There was a noble hero. A man that we always freaked out wondering if the the fourth wall would break and we'd find out who this man really was. This man is staying. And, you know, reading the Players' Tribune from Darby, I don't know if you got a chance to read it yet, but, like, it, it really just echoes everything that we've heard about this man. That he was who he said he was. He is who he said he is. And that you can not only go out on your back, but go out on your last couple of years really giving back to the community instead of taking it, taking your last cash grab. Yeah. And and this man had plenty of money, and he really just wanted to go out on his own terms. And WWE wouldn't even give that to him after the Seth Rollins incident, right? And I get liability. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, uh, even before that. Yeah, we're getting shit on at, at WrestleMania. I mean, they, they think it's Sting is as selfless as good a motherfucker as he is, and then he finally goes up north to like his finally do the inevitable WWE run, and then they're still thinking that this is like shit on my they still need to still need to show people that WWF is better than WCW. It's like, dude, are you fucking kidding? That was like 20 years ago. And, like, Sting you know is a what? million times better than Triple H would ever be in a million years. So anyone that watched that knew what was up. What I've been so impressed with by Sting is nobody made him do anything. Right? He came to AEW. No expectations. Everybody said, you do what you're comfortable with. And I don't feel like he committed literal I want to die in the ring suicide to prove a point. I feel like he kept it kind of within reason, but he pushed himself, right? For what, two and a half years. He didn't go under significant injuries or anything like that. He went out and he ate some shit. When you initially came into the company, they were thinking we don't think Sting can really do anything in the ring anymore after you know, oh my Seth God. Rollins almost ended his life on that fucking um corner power bomb thing. Uh, so the idea was he was just going to do, like, these cinematic kind of matches, which I fucking hate cinematic matches, dude. Like, just just right. get a match or, or don't do anything at all. But so we had that first one um, teaming with Darby against uh, Team Taz back in the day, which was like, it That's was right. what it was, but at least, you know, got to see Sting sort of, like, doing his thing again. But then they had that next one. In case we got nothing else, we got that. Yeah, but then they had the next one where it's like, you know, it's, I think Darby convinced Sting and was like, man, what you did in that the cinematic match, we could do that, like, in an actual match. Like, just, just give it a go kind of thing. And then I can't remember who that first match was against, but it was absolutely fantastic. And as a Sting fan, it was it was so wonderful to see 
um, and see him doing all that again, and then he's just gone from strength. Take a real bomb. Yeah, yeah. he's gone from strength to strength since then. Um, man, I'm I'm such a, a big Sting fan too. Uh, any of that talk of like, you know, Undertaker or Sting? It's like, come on, man. Sting clears Undertaker out. No, man. I I feel like all of our heroes are besmirched. Hate to use that word, but besmirched by something they did in their lives. And I feel like yeah. Sting, you know, we talk about like DDP being the guardian saint of, of of wrestlers, right? And maybe that's because <laughs> he went out of his way to protect other wrestlers. But Sting was just the angel in wrestling. Call him a dark angel yeah. with a crow or whatever you want, but it, he wasn't always the crow. <laughs> he just liked, he just likes funny paint, you know? And, and the fact is, is Sting never once got in trouble, even with the Jeff Hardy thing. He looked mad, but he never went out and like ripped him a new one. He was just like he was just mad. He was insulted, but he kept his composure. I mean, he probably should have cut him a like a oh new he should have beat him, torn him apart, the ring, man. But, yeah. yeah, but like he's just like like this man Steve, aka Sting, has just been a class act for. I think the article said. Rick Flair was born in 1949 and Nick Wayne was born in 2005 and he's wrestled both of them. Right. Wow. And, and to think of that span of not only his ability to work, but his ability to be a class act for that long Mer- merging eras where back then there were not cell phones you could go to strip clubs if you wanted he went about that life and everybody knew it just through dirt sheets and other wrestlers shoot mm-hmm. interviews now we live in a world where everything gets caught on camera you can't go to the gym or whatever every behavior and he's just the most gracious or he's invisible and, and as we close this chapter on sting's career man like just if anybody hasn't read it, the Players Tribune, which is great for all reading, where athletes are encouraged to write on other athletes. They don't have non-athletic journalists. They don't. They don't have any of that. They have literally peers writing about peers. Dude, an amazing Eddie Kingston piece they did uh, a little while back. Oh yeah. Uh, if if anyone hasn't read that, read that, please go out of your way. Um, but yeah, I uh, I haven't finished this uh sting one i was like halfway through it uh when we started this call um but what i read so far absolutely wonderful it was a four minute read everybody <laughs> i got two minutes in <laughs> for chris it was, it was a was nine minute stuff. read but for everybody else it was a four minute read because he had to stop at two coffee shops yeah but man i uh yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly sad going into the the sting retirement on sunday um, but I'm not. But I'm also happy again that he's sort of getting to do it on his terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this man. Like I'm just sad it has to come to an end. Didn't come back you know? for a final match. He came back for a final two and a half year run, and, it and was he a killed fantastic it. Run. Yeah, he absolutely killed it. And I've been so happy about this partnership with Darby. You know, I think they just became the greatest odd bedfellows pairing that you could possibly imagine. Like the bit where you're like. I remember hearing... And it seemed authentic. Oh, for sure, and I think it was. I remember hearing a friend said, uh, a, a shout-out to, to my buddy, uh, Malin. He said, when this partnership first came about, 
he thought, okay, this is going to be good because Sting is going to be able to be that older voice of reason and maybe talk Darby into not taking such ridiculous bumps and doing such dumb shit. But it was Instead, reciprocal. This went terribly wrong and it ended up it ended up with Darby yeah. turning Sting into fucking Johnny Knoxville and just doing the most crazy shit. It was just wonderful. I loved every moment. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's that's the best thing about wrestling is you know, I, I said it, I, I was a long time Undertaker fan, right? And I had the pleasure of seeing what I call Undertaker's true retirement match at WrestleMania Orlando right. um, against Roman Reigns, where he descended into the depths of hell before any cinematic shit, mm. before any Saudi Arabia shit. And as somebody, like, the coolest thing about wrestling is when we watched Game of Thrones or Lost or whatever, at best, you got a solid 10 years of your life invested in a show. Usually like seven or eight, right? Mm. Like when you watch The Office or when you watch, uh, yeah, Game of Thrones, I think was eight seasons, right? And uh, I didn't watch it, but I know a lot of people loved it. And um, when you watch wrestling, you watch somebody that odds are started when you were a, a child, where it means like the equivalent of Santa Claus. You know, like this mythical, unbelievable, fantastic person that you can either look up to or fear or just revere in some kind of way. But when you watch them play out their character over 30 years, not only do you watch the character development for 30 years, but you as a receiver adapt. Like as a grown man, when I watched Undertaker's closing chapters, I was seeing a man that was playing office politics in front of our lives. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like I saw a real man working a real job 10 years past when he thought he wanted to retire because he really wanted to protect a, a legacy for his children long past the legacy of his character. And that's something I can relate to with inflating housing costs and things like that, right? Like mm. if I could work an extra 10 years and, and solely my name, would I do it for the betterment of my family? And so my evolution of appreciating this character evolved with the character from a child that looked up with wonder to an adult that said, hey, I could see why he went one more match, even though it wasn't that good. And um, seeing somehow surpassed all of that, mm. like there was no downfall of he's doing it for his family, even though it sucks, like he absolutely crushed it. Um, and he took it back on his own terms. Like there was no point where he was just just taking a check, just you know, yeah. he couldn't do it anymore, but he needed yeah, the money. No, that nobody kind of said, thing. "All right, time." Nobody ever said, "All right, Sting, it's time to hang it up." Right? Mm. Like that. Like I don't think anybody said that in the two and a half year run. Was there any internet talk about that? Which fuck the internet, but did they say that? Like I didn't hear it. I mean, only some bad faith um, assholes. But like, I remember I went to the Wembley show, right? Like the big, biggest AEW show of all time. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I was there in person, uh, and to me, honestly, um, as as much as you know, I uh, thought uh, Punk and Joe was like absolutely fantastic uh, as a as a match, and it, it just you know, probably the best actual match of the show. You wanted to see Sting! But the one that I got the most joy out of, dude, like, on that whole show, was getting to see Sting 
And I thought that match was so perfect, getting to see him fucking come out to Metallica again for the first time since WCW. Um, dude, I got so much joy from that. And actually getting to see Sting wrestle in person was uh, something that I'll, I'll never forget. Yo, I got to admit, in these closing thoughts about Sting, I just got to say, I hated my time working at pro wrestling at these. Mm. Um, it played a part in my life getting settled in Chicago, networking with wrestling people, but it professionally was, I hated it. Right. Right. One of the things it did provide though, is I got a second row ticket to AEW dynamite and that second row ticket on the hard cam side had sting hanging out 15 feet from me for minutes at a time. <laughs> and just what an incredible, like, what an incredible experience, right? Like the the twenty year olds that work for me, the twenty two year olds. Oh, that's cool. Sit down. This is for me. Like this man is. I mean, he's for here for all of us, right? Yeah. Sting is here for everybody, but the ability to sit there as a grown thirty six year old man and watch this man that I never thought would come back right in front of me, catching his breath, something as simple as that. I will just never forget that moment. Yeah. And I'm really appreciative that he came back. I don't think he did it for John Kraft specifically. I'd like <laughs> to think he did it for himself. But um, I, I, I really appreciate it. And, and I, I wish staying a, a healthy match Sunday. And whatever he does after that, I wish him well as well. Yeah, for sure, dude. I, uh, I, I am, again, sad but happy at the same time. Um and I'm I'm glad yeah. we got to got to connect, sad. yeah, and uh, and share uh, this this passion for for this dude um who's uh, had uh, such a wonderful career and had uh, you know done it done it the right way for the most part I think uh, such a selfless dude and uh, yeah it's uh it's gonna be something else. <laughs> But dude, all right, I think we're at that point yeah. in the show to to close this baby down. Uh can I uh do you have any any plug skis for us? Yeah, the only thing I've got these days is my Instagram that I have used for working. John Craft Wrestling, J O N C R A F T Wrestling on Instagram. Outside of that, I prefer you don't follow me. <laughs> you gonna have any uh any any announcing bookings coming up or are you moving a bit away from that at the moment uh man i'll take i'll take what's coming i don't have anything on the calendar right now i do want to give a shout out to kirby van vliet who is the announcer for freelance wrestling who oh, i would love to take his job but i'm i'm not even second in his line i'm not even second in line <laughs> uh kirby is undergoing a heart transplant he oh, is fuck. all prepped and in the hospital and waiting a transplant um and after the said transplant which comes god knows when uh he will be in there another 30 or 40 days and that's in chicago so any chicago people uh i mean kirby is the guy that says for your main event but says main for as long as he can hold it like a michael buffer and he's been around for quite some time he puts he puts bruce buffer to shame he really does also he has incredible shoes that his wife that loves him very much uh danny i think her name is but i might get that wrong um i remember i was at gcw and he was like yeah i'm gonna announce one match turned out to be part of an angle uh but he was like my wife got me special shoes and it was his face on his shoes his shiny shiny shoes 
got his face put on him like almost airbrushed. And um, I know the guy's going through a lot. He'll probably never hear this. I don't need him to, but I just want to put that energy out instead of putting myself over it. Um, Kirby Van Vliet, we wish you luck. Yeah, man. Stay strong, brother. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, um, you know, if anyone out there is a, is a freelance fan uh, and uh, admires his work and can share that um, that uh, level of appreciation for his uh, badass uh, ring announcing, shit, swing him. I assume he has a Twitter. Send him a, a message. It's probably a good time to let him know how uh, how loved he is. Yeah, and one of the things we're doing right now is um, one of our uh, compadres got, uh, for example, maid service sent to his house for the next six months, which is quite an investment. No need to do something like that. But keep in mind, when he does get home, they're going to need food. You know, if you're if you're out of state, you can't send a casserole. That's fine. But um, coordinate with, like I said, I gave you my Instagram, John Craft Wrestling. Uh, coordinate with us if you if you want to like just donate a meal or something like that kirby could probably use a milkshake tomorrow <laughs> you know like like waiting on this heart transplant like nothing wrong with that um so coordinate with us but that's certainly more important than anything i have going on oh that's so lovely to hear man that's so good all right bud well i uh want to thank you again for your time uh i know you've got some stuff going on tomorrow and i wish you all the luck in the world for that um but dude just good to hear your voice hey good to talk to you too chris man i appreciate you having me on and good to talk to everybody that's listening yeah man uh, i look forward to, to having you on again in the near future i don't know if you're maybe becoming our, our official uh lucha libre coverage guy as uh, uh what do we call yeah it? anything mexican hosted by a non-mexican i got you <laughs> with a with a i i could probably for a small additional fee of a half of a handshake uh, offer a Mexican girlfriend to contribute some of that. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. I'll have a hot dog in the mail for you. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, All right love you. I'll talk to you soon. Love you too, brother. Bye. All right, bye. All right. That was very nice. Very nice indeed. Good to hear from uh, my amigo, John Craft. And it sounds like he's uh, he's doing good. Um, but yeah, as you said, shout out to, to Kirby as well. Um, if any of y'all are freelance, uh, you know, watchers out uh, out there, you'll you'll know exactly what we're talking about about how sick a job he does. So uh, if anyone you know feels like sharing some love to him, uh, I think that'd be a great time. Um, but uh, onto onto my own uh, plug skis. If you dig this show. Um, if you enjoy what's what's being laid down over here, uh, please know you can always support the podcast a variety of ways. You can you can leave a little review ski on the the iTunes. Uh, you can just recommend the show to people. That helps. You know, share the show if you're on the Twitter or anything like that. Um, or you know, financially support the show. I have a website, ChrisThings.com.au where I uh, post all of my art prints. So these matches that we're talking about, these match of the weeks, so I uh, do an illustration of them, and you can buy a Prinsky of that illustration. I uh, pride myself on them being of a, a high quality, uh, lovely, uh, textured, thick, decadent stock. Uh, so if you want one of those, you can purchase it on there uh, with a variety of um, you know different 
different uh, levels ranging from uh, HQ basic uh, prints that are printed up uh, over locally in, in America uh, to your more premium ones that I print up over here and send out. And I always try to do a good little job of, um, you know, really personalizing that, writing a little note, um, you know, giving you a little little bonus kind of thing in there. So any support is highly appreciated. You can also follow me at uh, Chris Things on the Instagram, Chris Things on the Twitter. Um, and yeah, especially in the Instagram, you'll be able to keep up with all of the, the different art shenanigans that I've got going on. But uh, I just want to say a big old thank you to you all for supporting in any way that you can. Uh, every every bit is very much appreciated. Uh, keep keep this uh, this thing rolling on. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, and I'll catch you all later. See ya. I do the hammer.